1: To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission.
0: Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions
1: apply, loans subject to approval. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an airbnb
0: host yeah hosting is a lot easier than you might think and you don't need to airbnb a whole house you can just host your extra spare room so consider becoming an airbnb host because your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host hey it's matt here for health aid kombucha This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Healthy Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you.
1: Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate
0: slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work.
1: Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're talking fighting and winning against insane healthcare costs with Marshall Allen.
0: Yeah, today on the show, we're talking with Marshall Allen. Marshall is a journalist who investigates why we pay so much for health care here in America, while at the same time, we get so little in return. Uh, he's the author of Never Pay the First Bill. And other ways to fight the healthcare system and win. He is also the founder of Allen Health Academy, which produces a curriculum of short on demand videos to equip and empower employees to navigate the healthcare system. Uh, Marshall, he's been investigating the healthcare industry for 15 years, including over uh, a decade at ProPublica. But we're really excited to dive into the different ways that we can fight and win against insane healthcare costs. Marshall, thank you for joining us today on the podcast
1: it's an honor to be here with you guys marshall we're so glad to have you the first question that we ask everybody who comes on the show though matt and i we really like craft beer it's something that we splurge on right now even while we're trying to save and invest well for the future Uh, what is that in your life what's the thing that you splurge on while you're trying to be good with your money also
2: you know guys i i hate to say this but i'm really really quite boring in this way and so (laughs) so i even
1: had to run this by my
2: wife i was like hon what is the thing that i splurge on because (laughs) There are things I splurge on, but then I try and do it in, like, a really frugal way. So, like, I am a total coffee lover. I I love great coffee. But I have found that the best way to do that at an affordable price is to roast my beans myself. Oh, shut up. Yeah. So I order my beans from a website called Sweet Maria's. It's in Oakland. They send you the raw beans you can roast them up. It takes about ten minutes to do, and then your beans are totally, totally fresh. No way! And stuff you would have paid like twenty, twenty-five dollars a pound for fresh roasted coffee, I can get for like five dollars a pound. So um, I hate to not. I mean, so it's a splurge, but it's I'm doing it in an economical way. Another one That's is the like best steak. way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, I love a great steak, but I'm like, man, if I go out for a steak, and this is this is spending so many years as a journalist, right? So journalism does not pay well. I don't know if anyone ever told you this, <laughs> right? but the pay is so bad, and I always had a family as long as I was in journalism. So I've got kids, and I'm like, okay, i got to figure out a way to make the best steak I can at home. So I love a good steak. Um, and then the other one, this is totally boring, but I'm a writer, and books. I mean, that's I'll, I'll buy books just like I, I love books. I'm actually in the process of moving now, and I have to contemplate getting rid of some of my books. Oh, no. and even though I, I don't I don't read everything that I buy, I really love to buy books. So those would be my three <laughs> that,
1: categories. That sounds like an existential crisis, trying to figure out which books you should part with and which ones you should keep.
2: My excuse to my wife is always, look, I'm a writer. I don't have to get rid of any of these. It's my. <laughs> it's sort of my, my
0: justification. Right. Nice. Okay, so Marshall, you shared your secret on how you get really good coffee at an affordable price. You roast your own beans. Uh, how do you do that with... With, with a nice steak. Is there an, uh, a secret? Is there a, uh, a source that you have where you buy the really good ribeyes? Uh, how, how do you make it work?
2: Well, I don't actually, like, raise the cows in my backyard, if that's what you mean, and slaughter them myself. <laughs> I don't go that far. But, um, no, it's really just a matter of um, getting a good cut of meat. I'd just go to the grocery store, though. It's nothing dramatic okay. or nothing secret there. Yeah. And just learning how to make it properly, you know, how to sear it on both sides so that yeah. you kind of lock the juices in, how to cook it to the right... Medium rare consistency, um, so it's perfect every time. So, nice. It's it's just maybe learning how to do it more than yeah. A te- well, technique
0: on it. Is, is so important. And so, last little follow up here. You're talking about coffee. What is your favorite method of brewing? Do you like to do the Chemex? Do you do pour over? Do you do uh, AeroPress?
2: That you I could, we could do an hour just on this <laughs> subject
0: alone because I, I feel like every morning for
2: me is the pursuit of the perfect cup of coffee. But my standard go to method is the Chemex. Love I feel it. like you can get, um, you know, the French press uses too much coffee, so again, it's just not the most economical way. I love uh, it. The Chemex is nice for making it for me and my wife,
0: so <laughs> I go with the Chemex. That's exactly the same here, yeah. All right, enough about food and uh, Marshall's splurges. Let's get into talking about insurance uh, and healthcare. Marshall, what led you to spend your time and to spend your energy covering the issue of the American healthcare system in the first place?
2: Well, I started covering healthcare when I went to Las Vegas to become a reporter at the Las Vegas Sun. This was in 2006. And when they hired me, they hired me just as a general assignment kind of investigative reporter. And I had never covered healthcare before. In fact, I thought the subject sounded totally boring. But they asked me to cover it. And I started writing about it. And I found really quickly that when you write good stories about healthcare, you can get right at two things people care about more than anything else their health and their money. Mm. Because every healthcare story, you're talking about people's quality of life with regard to their physical health. But more and more, we're talking about their quality of life with regards to their financial health. And so I found that as long as I could lock into one or both of those subjects in the stories I wrote, my stories would get huge traction. So even though like at ProPublica for the last few years before the pandemic, I was writing about health insurance. That sounds like the most boring topic in the world. Like if you told people, I'm going to write stories about health insurance, their eyes would totally glaze over. But if you look at all those stories I did in a series I called the health insurance hustle, which because we're, I'm showing how we're getting hustled by the health insurance industry mm-hmm. in every single story, I could say, this is why you reader pay so much for healthcare. It's because of these games. It's because of this type of deception that's in the industry that you're, deductibles are so high you can't afford them your premiums are so out of control you can't pay for them and this is why we have right now one in five americans with medical debt in collections i mean this is a crisis of a situation and so when i found that i could really angle the stories that way even though i'm writing about something that seems so boring I mean, my stories would get picked up, lots of page views, lots of interest. I'd get lots more um, letters and emails, not letters. I'm not getting letters in the mail, but emails <laughs> postcards. and phone calls from readers, postcards, you know, uh, things coming in over the over the wire. Um, but you know what I mean? I mean, I got so much feedback from readers
1: that um, I just continued to dig in and dig in more on that subject. Yeah. And, you know, the word crisis, I think it's overused, but I think it's, actually appropriate in this scenario when we're talking about the the healthcare system. And Marshall, in your book, you actually talked about one of the best experiences that you had in the healthcare system, but there was like this twist, this ironic twist in your story that that awesome experience wasn't here in the United States. Can you kind of tell us like how that went down?
2: Yeah, you took away my punchline, though, by, by giving away I'm the sorry. ending there. But exactly. <laughs> well, so here's 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 how it happened. My wife, she unfortunately has gotten migraines her whole life. And so we were traveling. We were actually in Kenya, where we used to work there. We did Christian um, youth work in Kenya for three awesome. years. So we went back and took our kids back there in 2019. And this was um, right before I got the book deal, actually, to write this book. And unfortunately, my wife had a migraine, and it was after hours, and so we couldn't go to a doctor's office or urgent care clinic. So we had to go to the Nairobi Hospital, which is the big um, hospital there in in Nairobi. And you know, here in the states, if you go into a hospital emergency room, I mean, you're just bracing yourself for like these surprise bills, these out-of-network bills. You know, they don't give you a price up front, and so they're gonna—you don't know what it's gonna be when you get it in the mail. You know, right. And here at the Nairobi Hospital, I go in and my wife is there. And they say, okay, well, that'll be, you know, I don't remember how much it was, $30 or something for the doctor to see you. And they've just printed up an invoice for for me and had me pay it right on the spot. And I was like, what is going on here? How is it that they're able to give me a price up front? Whereas in the entire United States, you can't get a price up front. Mm -hmm. Then we go back to the doctor and I'm thinking, okay, here's where they're going to overtreat us. You know, they're going to say they need to do a scan of her brain to make sure there's not an aneurysm. (laughs) The guy was like, hey, it looks like she just needs some pain medication. And my wife and I are like, yeah, that's exactly right. So he's like, you can get it on the pharmacy from the pharmacy on your way out. And I'm like, okay, here's where they're going to get us because drug costs are marked up. You know, you don't know how much it's going to be. There's all these secret spread pricing and rebating and American drug prices. Well, here they just were like, pay us $30 and get your drugs. And I paid him 30 bucks and I left the hospital and my wife got what she needed. And we it was it was the most remarkable experience because we actually engaged with an emergency room in a hospital without feeling like we were being financially exploited because of Mm -hmm. our desperation. And unfortunately, in the United States, what happens over and over again is that the system knows that we need care and we can't control when we get the care that we need. So unlike other financial purchases, like if you buy a TV or go on a vacation or buy a new car, those are like things we can control. We can shop around. We can decide not to buy the thing. We can buy a cheaper version of it. But with healthcare, when you're sick, you know, if you're a diabetic and you need insulin, you need that to save your life. And unfortunately, diabetes and insulin is a tragic example, the Senate Finance Committee just put out a report last year that showed the drug makers and the pharmacy benefit managers, these are the insurance companies that manage pharmacy costs, they have been jacking up the price of insulin year after year after year without showing any improvement in the drug itself. And so unfortunately, people who are diabetics are just required to pay hundreds of dollars a month for something 10 years ago would have cost a fraction of that cost. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's really a system where the business side of the industry has identified that people need care and they will pay any price because it's about saving their life or saving the life of their kid or their loved one. And so they take advantage of that and they're exploiting us. And there's a lot of deception in the industry. There's lots of financial pitfalls. And so the book um, really breaks down. How to identify these pitfalls, what they are, and then how to navigate around them. And then if you get hit with a bogus bill where it's overpriced or it's inaccurate, I show in the book, Step by Step, how to identify those errors and overcharges in your bills and then how to contest them and how to fight back.
0: Yes. Yeah. And actually, we're really excited to dive into some of those practical steps when it comes to making sure that we're not just completely getting hosed over by hospitals uh, and different practices. But yeah. yeah, this just goes to show that as great of a country the U.S. is, we definitely have some some broken industries uh, in our lives. Um, yeah. And when it comes to insurance... Marshall? You know, most of us are used to shopping around for the best price on things, but there are multiple important factors when it comes to shopping for health coverage. Uh, And so how can individuals and how can families know that they are choosing the the right insurance plan for them?
2: Well, so that's a tough question to answer because everybody is in such a different position when it comes to the type of coverage that they actually need for their family. It depends a lot on Their financial situation and it depends a lot on um, how many times they feel like they need to go to the doctor or to the hospital if they have chronic conditions or not or if they're pretty healthy many times for most people um, working Americans you're in an employer sponsored health plan so you're also limited that way your employer will present a set of options to you and then you have to choose from those options that covers about 155 million Americans are in that category Then you have um, maybe five percent of all working Americans are in like the exchange plan type of insurance plans. Those are the individual health care plans that came through the Affordable Care Act, which often people call that Obamacare. So these Mm -hmm. are the Obamacare plans. Those can be really expensive um, and subsidies are available for a lot of people, depending on their income. But if you're priced out, if you make just too much to get those subsidies, then those are extremely expensive um, types of health plans to get. And I've even seen a lot of people now using um, some of the sharing plans, you know, like yeah. there's um, Christian healthcare sharing ministries. And then there's others that are not faith based at all. And these are these are plans that are not insurance but they are basically people coming together and agreeing to pay each other's medical bills and they always have different types of rules and restrictions and you have to be very careful to check the references of any of these plans to make sure they're actually paying the bills like they say they are Mm -hmm. but i actually know some people who do these plans and they're very they've been very happy with them and if you're relatively healthy and don't feel like an obvious need uh, for ongoing care those those plans might be might be a good option
1: yeah, it seems like you know, there have been more incentives recently in, in when it comes to getting healthcare on the exchange. Like so many people qualify for a much lower rate uh, when it comes to getting healthcare that way. But yeah, I'm with you. Some of those health sharing plans for people that don't qualify for those lower rates on the exchange—they've almost become like the only place they can turn. It seems like. And um, yeah, what should what do people need to consider uh, and look into before they sign up for one of those health sharing companies? Because yeah, I mean if the premiums are $300 a month versus $2,200 a month. I mean, that's a huge difference. And most people can't afford some of those policies that you would buy on the exchange.
2: Right. The other issue with the exchange plans is that you're often going to have a pretty sizable deductible there. Right. And that, that deductible is the amount of money you have to pay before the health plan kicks in and pays anything. So there are a lot of people on these high deductible health plans right now. And they are paying the first dollar of almost every single thing um, that they get care for. So you're paying your premium every month. And then you you expect your health plan to cover something for you. But you have to pay that deductible. And sometimes that deductible is $3,000, $5,000, even $10,000. And so effectively, you're uninsured until you've paid out of pocket that amount. But with investigating the health sharing plans... I would get references. So I would talk to people who are actually on the plans and ask them how well it's worked for them. I would look up um, the reviews on Google, on Yelp. I would look up the Better Business Bureau reviews for each of those plans. And you can find out pretty quickly if things are scammy um, because it does show up pretty fast um, on, on online reviews. So I would check all those things. If you just want to start exploring as a journalist, I would often put in the name of a company or an individual in quotes on Google, and then I would just put PDF after it. And if you do, mm. you know like to look for a PDF file with that name in it, and it's amazing how many times that will pull up. Some type of a disciplinary action, or some type of a regulator action, some type of public document often gets pulled up that way. So that's kind of another little trick, nice journal searching trick to right see there, if, if these like folks have been
0: have been disciplined. Yeah, you just got to nose around a little <laughs> bit and see what you find. Very cool. Yeah, uh, our family, Marshall, we, we've actually been with Medishare, which is one of those uh, sharing plans. And yep. in our case, we all, we do we definitely do have a very high deductible. We're uh, our it's technically called like a. I forget, like our annual household portion, I think is what it's called. But it is $10,000. But in exchange for that, our monthly premiums, essentially, the equivalent of, of what they call a premium, it's only $250. Uh, and so, we're experiencing dramatic yep. savings month to month. And because of that, we have taken that into, into account. And our emergency fund is quite large uh, to make sure that we're able to cover that cost were it to arrive. And I guess if you're looking at some of these expensive plans on the exchange without any subsidies. And if you're paying a whole lot month to month, but you're also being forced to pay a very high deductible, you're kind of getting shortchanged on both ends. Uh, Like you said, it kind of comes down to how you use the plan, right?
2: Yeah, and another thing you can do uh, is combine what you're doing there with a um, direct primary care relationship. Mm -hmm. We're seeing more and more doctors now move to direct primary care, which means you pay a monthly cost for unlimited care often from that doctor and so this is for your primary care you know this is so that your family still gets your annual checkups you get any vaccinations or anything that you need any type of like standard health care that your family needs is going to be really well taken care of and you could probably get that for around 100 to 200 dollars a month
1: yeah those are definitely becoming more popular and for good reason um all right we've got more questions we want to get to with you marshall including yeah how to shop around for a specific procedure in advance of that procedure uh, being done. And then also too, like once once a bill comes your way, how do you fight it in order to save money? We'll get to, uh, to the nuts and bolts of that stuff right after this break. Joel, I think there are a lot of folks who
0: start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. thirty
1: seven thousand, twenty five, 25, and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give
0: you consistently excellent performance, absolutely free, at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney.
1: You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You
0: can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped, I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. <laughs> Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com howtomoney For 10% off, plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the
1: kids, that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure
0: your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off, plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash money. And now a
1: word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough?
0: Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle.
1: Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed.
0: All right, we are back from the break. Uh, We're talking with Marshall Allen about healthcare costs. Uh, And Marshall, you know, even though we're we're seeing near-term healthcare costs on the rise, you say that there are ways that we can spend less of our hard-earned money on healthcare. Uh, What are some of the biggest levers that we can pull in order to reduce that cost?
2: That's a great question. I mean, the main thesis of my book is that for year after year now, for decades, we have been paying more and more for our healthcare and getting less for our money. But if you look at the data about how overpriced and wasteful our healthcare system is, we should be paying a lot less money and getting a lot more for our money. So that's really mm. the argument in my book. There is no justification for these high healthcare costs, and once you know that, then that empowers you to give you the conviction you need to push back. So I think the number one easiest way to um, save money on healthcare is make sure that you are not getting care that you don't need. It's it's unbelievable how much care is actually deemed unnecessary in our healthcare system. It's maybe 25% of all the care that's provided is found to be unnecessary. And so the the trick, of course, is well, how do you know what's necessary and what's not? Right? You don't want to you don't want to avoid getting the care that you need. And so one way to think this through is recognize the incentives that the healthcare system is operating under. If your doctor or your surgeon or your hospital only gets paid when they perform an operation or they provide some type of treatment, then their incentive is going to be to do more because that's how they get paid. And that's just something that all of us as human beings are susceptible to, the incentives that drive us, right? Mm -hmm. And so when your doctor is recommending something that's discretionary, let's say it's a test or a treatment or a procedure or a drug, and you're not sure, you know, you're just trying to figure out whether what's going on. Maybe it's not an obvious case uh, where something should be done. Ask the doctor this question. Ask the doctor, what happens if we wait? What happens if we don't do this right now? In fact, I, I have this happen. It comes up almost every time I go to my dentist. My <laughs> dentist is always, always trying to get me to do x-rays. And I'm sure your dentist is always trying to get you to do x-rays too, right? I'm always
1: pushing it. Yeah. Well
2: how much have my teeth really shifted in the last year or two years or six months? And so ask the question, what happens if we wait? What happens if we don't do these x-rays right now? Are my teeth going to fall out of my mouth? Um, is, is there going to be a dramatic shift in my mouth that six months from now, you won't be able to give me the cleaning of my teeth? What exactly is going on here? And... And often what you find is they don't have a really good answer for that question. So ask that question, what happens if we wait? And what that does is it reframes the conversation. So instead of assuming that we're going to do something, you start exploring the option of not doing it and finding out, okay, am I going to drop dead if I walk out of here right now without doing this thing you're telling me? another thing you can check to avoid unnecessary care is look at the recommendations of the u.s preventive services task force so any any listener can google that the u.s preventive services task force and the task force is a group of volunteer experts all doctors who are funded by the federal government to do research and read the latest research on things like preventive screening tests so let's say for a woman, it might be a mammogram. For a guy, it might be a prostate exam. These are things where they they always want to do these screenings to say, well, we want to make sure that you don't have breast cancer, right? Which sounds important. And if your doctor's telling you to do that, you definitely want to take their advice, sure. right? Yeah. Well, the studies show that women, it's not recommended to get a, a breast um, examination mammogram if they don't have a history of breast cancer until they're 50 years old. And yet doctors will tell women starting certainly in their 40s, because that's been my wife's experience, that they should be getting that um, every year or every two years. And if you look at those recommendations, they actually do not say that's, that's a recommendation based on the best scientific evidence. Mm. Because what happens is they have a lot of false negatives on those tests. Mm. And it's extremely rare, rare for younger women with no history of breast cancer to get it. You can also identify it with um, just the manual examinations. You don't have to do the scans. And so that helps you avoid treatment you don't need. It helps you avoid over-treatment. And they have these kinds of guidelines for all
1: different types of screening tests. So check out the task force. That's great. I like that. And I think I like what you're saying. There's a certain amount of... Pushback that we need to give to—I think we just instinctively trust somebody, like a doctor uh, or a dentist, somebody in a white lab coat, the man or woman, whoever's providing the service—and we just assume that whatever they tell us is the the next step we need to take. But I—I I, I love that we should just push back with a simple question that makes it easy for us um, to then make sure that whatever we're, step we're taking next is is in our best interest. I want to know, too, Marshall, the, the healthcare industry—it makes it so difficult for us to become an informed consumer, even with uh, the recent price transparency order from the federal government, it's hard to know what the price should be for any sort of service that we're, we're looking to get. So when we go see a doctor, how do we know if we're being charged a fair price in the first place before we actually sign up for that procedure that we feel like it's necessary?
2: So most of the healthcare that we get is discretionary. And by that, I mean, you have time to actually decide where you're going to go for that care. So, another really key principle to keep in mind is always realize that there's huge price variation in healthcare. And so, you might have, um, let's say you have to get a CT scan or an X ray or an MRI. If your doctor or nurse practitioner or whoever that clinician is routes you, let's say they work for a big hospital chain in your town, and so they're going to route you and refer you to an imaging center affiliated with your hospital. Well, research has shown and people in the industry know that anytime you go to a hospital for a lab test or an MRI or any type of a scan, the prices are going to be way higher. And I mean, exponentially higher than if you go to an independent imaging center or an independent lab. And so if you just need some type of lab test or scan identify an independent imaging center and call and get the prices there and you can also check out a company called greenimaging.net greenimaging.net look them up online they do scans and they do direct pay contracts with imaging centers and so you can get a scan I talked to one guy he needed two MRIs before he got back surgery he was told that it would cost nine thousand dollars If he did it through the hospital MRI center. Wow. He went to green imaging and he got both of those scans for about $900. Oh my gosh. So just like in the blink of an eye, (laughs) he saved more than $8,000 and he was on a high deductible plan. He had a $10,000 deductible. So for him, he saved eight grand just by avoiding the hospital MRI center. And so that's not something you would ever expect, right? It's the same MRI. So why would it cost so much more if you go to one location than another? And this is also why you don't ever want to go to an emergency room if you just have the sniffles. Go to your primary care doctor or go to an urgent care center. But if you go to that hospital um, emergency room, they are going to bill you much,
0: much more money for the exact same service you could get somewhere else at a lower price. Yeah, just like with music, it pays to uh, find out the independent bands. <laughs> find those indie That's labs, right. find those indie uh, imaging centers because you can save you can save a lot of money. Catch them before they're big, you know. <laughs> like I knew, I knew them way back when That's they were right. only, only charging nine hundred dollars. <laughs> so Marshall, your book, it's called Never Pay the First Bill. Got it. Uh, We know that 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 should be kind of the action that we take there. But can you explain why it is that we actually shouldn't pay the first bill? We've talked about how to get that discount ahead of time. But after we receive the bill, why shouldn't we pay that first bill?
2: Well, when I say never pay the first bill, I mean, I'm obviously not saying never pay your bills. But what I mean is the principle is never pay the first bill until you have checked to make sure that it's accurate and that it's priced fairly. So when you get that medical bill in the mail, The first thing you need to do is make sure your insurance plan, if you have insurance, has processed it correctly. So your insurance plan gives you what's called the explanation of benefits, also known as an EOB. And that has a breakdown of how much the billed charges were, how much the agreed upon amount was that the insurance plan has agreed to pay. And that should be some kind of a discount off of the billed charges. Again, this is just the crazy convoluted way we pay for healthcare in this country. The price is not the price. They give this really high build charge amount, and then the insurance company is supposed to give you a discount off of that. So anyway, you look at the build charges. You look at the price that the insurance company negotiated for you to pay. You have a deductible. That's going to be factored in there maybe. You might have coinsurance. That's the amount that the portion that you have to pay versus the portion that your insurance plan pays. And then you have the amount you owe. The other um, last year, maybe it was a little more than a year ago, I got a bill in the mail for $250 from an urgent care center where my son had gone. And they said on that bill that my insurance plan had paid nothing and I had not received any um, explanation of benefits from my insurance plan. So I knew something was off right there. So I call my insurance company, and they said that the bill had not even been sent to them. Mm-hmm. So right there, just by checking that bill, I was able to see, oh, this didn't get processed by my insurance plan, and so they need to send it to the insurance company, not to me. So they sent the bill to the insurance company right like that. And in five minutes, I saved $250. If I wasn't paying attention, that would have been something easily that myself or my wife could have paid. Yeah. And so I think I think people also don't realize just how screwed up this billing system is you think that because um it's a doctor you know he has his md you have nurses who are highly trained you have physical therapists they're in fancy hospitals with really expensive equipment so they give you this aura of competence right and they better because we're putting our lives in their hands right 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 but on the billing side I mean it is a complete mess (laughs) some of these hospitals and insurance companies they're using IT systems from like the 80s and 90s I mean they have not updated the programming on these things and so instead they've done a bunch of patches on top of patches on top of patches they're auto paying bills millions a day this is like a giant assembly line with no quality control mechanism in place and so if you know that then you know okay there's a good chance that there's an error on my bill also a lot of times so so look at the insurance company eob then get an itemized medical bill so hospitals will usually just give you a bill that says, pay this amount. They don't even tell you, they don't give you a breakdown on it. Like if you went to the grocery store and they just said, pay this amount without telling you the prices. <laughs> no receipt. <laughs> no receipt, right? It's like having no receipt. You're like, well, come yeah. on, guys. Like, what is what did you bill me for? What did you do? Well, when you look at those itemized bills and it is your right to have it, it is absolutely your right to have that. When you get that itemized bill, you can check and see, okay, did they do this? Did they do this? Did they do this? Oftentimes you'll find things on there that they did not even do. In fact, I just got an email from a reader who said he went to his dentist, again, not to pick on dentists, but this is like the (laughs) the dentist episode, right? But he said he went to his dentist, and he when he saw the breakdown in the charges, there was a $175 charge on there, and he couldn't figure out what it was. He called the dentist and their billing department, and they couldn't figure out what it was for either. Wow. So they took it off. (laughs) <laughs> and he was again. He's like in five minutes. He saved one hundred and seventy-five dollars just
1: by wow. having them remove that. So, 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 some, for, so yeah. sometimes that gentle pushback does work, right? And, or you know, just recognizing actually, my insurance company didn't get the bill, and I need to make sure that they they get it and you know that they pay the portion that they need to pay before I even consider paying. But then you know, what happens if you get an outrageous bill and you're like, okay, the pushback isn't working? You even mentioned taking a more drastic measure, like. Take people to court, right? Is that, is oh, that yes. another step we should consider too? Oh, I think this is the game-changing tactic right
2: here, guys. <laughs> so anybody who loves America, and I, I do love America, <laughs> and I know our country has problems, but I do love this country. There are certain privileges we have in this country that other people just do not enjoy. And small claims court is one of these privileges because mm-hmm. our small claims court system is set up so that a powerless, weak individual can sue using the power of our judicial system and require a powerful company or individual to answer for the way they are treating that weaker, less powerful individual. And so when you get a bill, so let's say you you analyze it and you can see that it's in error or you can see it's overpriced. So I also show in the book how to check prices. And there's a website called fairhealthconsumer.org Look up Fair Health Consumer and compare it to your itemized medical bill. And especially you need to get the billing codes. I show how to do that in the book. You can look up and you can see, is the price that they charge me fair or not? Now also um, on hospital websites, they're required to post their prices. And often what you see is that the cash price might even be a lot less than the price that your insurance company negotiated for you. So this has been standard in the industry, right? Hospitals and insurance companies set prices and then they tell us to pay them, whether they're fair prices or not. Even if the cash price is less, they'll just tell you, oh, no, that's our negotiated rate, so you have to pay it. And my argument is this. Look, why should any one patient pay more than any other patient for the exact same service at the exact same hospital? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And so just because they say this is how it's always been, I'm sorry, I don't care what kind of nonsense you all are, what kind of world you're living in. I don't have to agree to that. Yeah. I'm involved here too. And not only that, you're making me pay for this. So small claims court, if you identify a bill that's in error or overpriced, you can file a case for like 20 or 30 or $40 in most states. You don't, You have gathered all the information you need. You have the evidence you need because in my hmm. book I show how to get an itemized bill, how to price it, how to get your medical records and make sure they document the care you received. It's easy to do this stuff. It does take some steps. It takes some knowledge and learning. It takes some initiative. But if they will not correct it, when you sue them, what you do is you create a very expensive hassle for them because now (laughs) the hospital has to hire their own attorney for hundreds of dollars an hour To defend themselves against a case i mean many of these cases are only worth a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars and the limits in a lot of states are actually quite high like in the state of texas you can sue in small claims court for anything under twenty thousand dollars wow in new jersey where i am there's a branch of um of circuit court here called the special civil branch where you don't have to have an attorney to sue someone. It's just like small claims and you can sue for up to $15,000. So the limits are quite big. Some states it's small, like three grand, but still it's enough that it covers a lot of these bills. And so we are protected. So then think about it. They now have to hire an attorney to defend themselves. It's going to cost them a lot of money. You are giving them the incentive that they need to come to the table and give you a fair price instead of price gouging you Give me the price that's fair. I'm happy to pay a fair price, but what I don't want to do is just let you rip me off, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to encourage people to do.
1: Let, let's say, let's say the the hospital reaches back out, but like before you get to the lawsuit uh, territory, right? You, you have not sued them yet because you're not at that point. and the, And the hospital's like, listen, we we love you. We're going to put you on a payment plan. <laughs> like, what, what should you say? Oh, when, when that happens. Oh,
2: that's always their solution. That's always their <laughs> solution is to put you on a
1: payment plan.
2: Sending people into debt is not the answer for a dysfunctional and ridiculously overpriced healthcare system. And that's been their go to method. Oh, well, we'll just put you on a payment plan. I talked to a woman the other day. Um, in fact, this was at a conference where I was speaking. This woman raises her hand. She tells this I've never heard anything like this. She had a colonoscopy. Where they billed her fifteen thousand dollars for the colonoscopy. Oh my gosh. Fifteen thousand dollars. You talk it's, about taking it, the it right. up the rear.
0: This poor woman <laughs> plated colonoscopy. This poor
2: woman was getting screwed in more ways than one. Yeah. So so the woman, of course, did not have the fifteen K to pay for the colonoscopy. Now just for for a little balance here, you should easily be able to get a colonoscopy for one thousand to three thousand dollars. So that 15000 is completely outrageous. So they said, oh, we'll put you on a payment plan. She couldn't afford most of the payment plans, so they put her on a payment plan that lasted for 10 years. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. 10 years that this poor woman has had to pay this bill for this colonoscopy that was outrageously priced. And so that's a case where if she would have sued them in small claims court, she would have said, "Look, I'm not. There's. This is an overpriced bill. Imagine them justifying that in front of a judge. Right. Yeah. That's gonna be a tough one to justify because yeah. it's totally outside the standard um, of what people are paying. And there's actually in my book I talk about the open price term. This is a part of our law. It's part of our Uniform Commercial Code, which is the law that governs consumer transactions in the United States. And the open price term says." If you don't get a price up front, then it's assumed that it will be a price that is reasonable and that's set in good faith. And so the healthcare system does not have the right under our laws in this country to charge us whatever they want. It's what they've been doing and they've been getting away with it, but right. they don't actually have the right to do that. And so, you know, when you make your case in small claims court, you actually have a strong legal standing to make this case. And so, People just need to do it. It does take courage and it does take initiative. But I encourage people, you can reach out to me. You can look, look me up on my website, marshallallen.com. Send me a message. I, will, I am happy to show you how this process works. And I, I lay it out in the book, but I'm also happy to coach people through it. Because every time I help someone through the process, first of all, um, it's just delightful for me. I've made this my hobby. It's really fun for me. (laughs) But also, I get great case studies, right, that I can share with other people. Um, And so it, it is really, really fun to see people pushing back, standing up for themselves. It's very empowering. And then you see that the bullies back off. Because they don't want to spend that amount of money to defend these cases. You're making it not in their interest financially
0: to take you on. And again, it's not so you can avoid paying. It's just so that you don't get ripped off. It's just so that you can pay a fair price. And and specifically, we want to get to some of those wins uh, here in a little bit after the break. But Marshall, does it ever make sense as you're negotiating and as you're trying to figure out what is going on with your bill? Does it ever actually make sense to mention the fact that, hey... Well, I understand that I've got a pretty good case here. Uh, does it make sense to mention small claims court when you're negotiating with the billing department?
2: Definitely it does. Okay. And I don't know that it's going to work. You know, it might, it might not. Just, um, the other thing that you should do is before you sue, and I have a template for it in the book, f- send a warning letter. So one thing that courts don't want, they don't want us wasting their time. Mm-hmm. They don't want us taking a thing to mess with our taxpayer-funded court system if it's avoidable. And so you're send them you going to send them a 30-day notice before you sue them, or two-week notice, or one-week notice, whatever you want. But you want to be able to show that judge, I did everything I could to settle this in a fair way without wasting your time, judge. And the hospital refused to give me a fair deal. And so that warning letter does tell them, hey, if you don't correct this within a week or within two weeks or 30 days, I'm going to sue you in small claims court. So gotcha. you definitely want to notify them and tell them that you're going to do that. And I think it is effective.
1: What, what, what about listeners, Marshall, who have got their debt has their medical debt has been sold to a collection agency uh, and you actually say that that might put us in a stronger negotiating position once the debt is out of the hospital's hand and in the hands of an agency right like how do we then make sure that we're not uh, that we're getting a deal when it comes to paying off a debt that's been sold elsewhere
2: well you're hitting on something that to me is maybe the greatest shame of our healthcare system we spend twice as much per person on healthcare than any other citizens of any other developed country or any other average spending in a developed country. And yet we have one in five Americans, tens of millions of Americans have medical debt in collections. Yeah, And so I included a chapter on that because we need to not stigmatize it If it hasn't happened to you, it's happened to someone you know, it's not, it hasn't happened because somebody was irresponsible or did something they shouldn't have done. In fact, it's probably happened because of an error filled or overpriced healthcare bill Mm -hmm. that the person didn't even know they could push back against. And so they ended up in collections. So, but in a dark way, like you mentioned, your leverage gets better. And that's because they've given up on you, <laughs> basically. <laughs> they, they think you're not going to give them anything. And so that's, that's the starting point. You know, so when that collection agent calls you, do not ignore the call, first of all. Contest that medical debt in writing within 30 days. Make them justify it. Again, I have a template in the book of a letter that you can send to them by certified mail. So that you need to make them justify it because often their whole debt collection system, they buy and sell so much debt so many times that, I mean, they swap it like, you know, you used to trade baseball cards when you were a kid, you know? (laughs) And so they can't even keep track of who actually has the legal grounds to collect the debt. So make them justify it. But let's say they do justify it. And now you need to negotiate a payment. They're going to start like, let's say you owe a thousand dollars. They're going to start at a thousand. You need to start at zero because already you know if it's coming to collections, they think they're not going to get anything. So start with zero and say, I'm so sorry, I can't afford to pay you anything. So I know you'd really like to get the thousand from me, but that's not going to work. I mean, my family has all these bills. Build a relationship with them, help them to understand where you're coming from, <laughs> pay tell them you'd like him. to pay it. Yeah, paint a picture for them. Build a relationship. It does not do any good to cuss these people out, even though you might want to. And um, I talked to um, experts who said that when they buy debt, they buy it for pennies on the dollar. So let's say it's $1,000. They might have bought your debt for at the most, say, $50. And so if you can get them to take something over $50 so that they make a profit, but a massive discount for you then you can pay that off at a huge discount so the number that i came to with one of the experts i talked to was get it down to about an 85 percent discount Hmm. so in other words if you owed a thousand you know they probably bought it for 50 at the most see if you can get them down to 150 dollars pay it off in a lump sum get that thing gone if you can or get on a payment plan for that reduced rate but be warned there because you don't ever wanna get on a payment plan that you default on, because if you default on it, then that debt is gonna go right back to that original $1,000 number that you owed without any
0: discount. Right. So once you strike a deal, make sure you stick with the terms of that deal. All right, Marshall, we're going to take a quick break. uh, But after that break, we're going to talk about, uh, you've given some great examples already of some wins, basically, uh, some examples of folks who have been able to drastically reduce the cost of their medical bills. But we want to hear some more of those. We'll get to that plus a couple other questions right after this break.
1: I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, Life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind, too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not
0: offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval
1: and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com.
0: Hey, folks, it's Matt. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make HealthAid
1: Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10% off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money all right we're back from the break we're still talking with marshall allen about fighting and winning when it comes to insane healthcare costs. cost a ton of good information already um, on this episode. Marshall, you have this place on your website though where um, where people can share victory stories. I love that because I-, I think like we need to hold these people up as heroes who are fighting back against this insane healthcare system. But what, what are a couple of the best ones you've received?
2: Well, I mean, this has been the most fun part of the book for me. Like, I really loved writing the book. It's been fun to launch the book. It's been successful. It's selling well, so that's really fun. But the most satisfying part to me is these victory stories. And so again, I I encourage anybody to go to my website and I have a form on there that you can fill out. If you've had one of these wins, please share it with me because I'm writing these up. I'm doing interviews with people who have victories because what I want to do is... um, Kind of get rid of the idea that we can't do anything about this. Uh, like the yeah. the subtitle of my book, the book is "Never Pay the First Bill" and other ways to fight the healthcare system, and win. The and winning is the most important part. <laughs> yep. So let me just read this. Um, I know this woman and I helped this woman uh, myself, but uh, I love this Amazon review. Uh, It's a woman named Alexia Kalal is her name. She says on her Amazon review, this book saved my family 70K in medical bills. Wow! This book and the author are the real deal. My family was near financial ruin when we found out our insurance denied my procedure and the hospital tried to stick us with a $78,000 bill. We were told by both the hospital and our insurance that we didn't qualify for any assistance. Thanks to Marshall and the information in his book, we were able to push back against the hospital and insurance company in an informed way that made them realize they had to do something to fix this. Hmm. We ultimately came out owing nothing. Without this information, we wouldn't have even known where to begin, and we would have gone down the path of filing bankruptcy. If you were dealing with bills, large or small, the information in this book is truly life-changing." And she has a picture of her bill from the hospital. It says total charges seventy-eight thousand six hundred and twelve dollars, balance
1: due on the account zero. Man, I'm about to and cry over here a... just hearing you read that. <laughs> that uh, when so you awesome. first read that, you must have been like teary-eyed, right? Like I mean, that's, some, well, that's beautiful. Well, she
2: called me. She called me actually. So this Alexia is a really um, wonderful young woman. Um, she and her husband Derek have two kids. They live in South Dakota. And she was told um, by the hospital that, they, that her insurance company had approved this treatment. Well, what happened is, they actually um, sent her the wrong message because what they said, the insurance company had told them, well, it doesn't have to be approved because it's an outpatient procedure, not an inpatient procedure. So she got the wrong information, but she listened to what everyone told her. She got the procedure. The procedure actually worked. It took care of the problem that she was having, but then she gets a bill in the mail Because they said it was unapproved because it was experimental. So I have a chapter in my book about how to fight these insurance company denials. And so I walk people through the mindset, the approach, the evidence-based argument you need to make, and also how to get your employer involved. And in this case, she was in her husband's employer-sponsored health plan. And they were able to get the employer to put some pressure on the insurance company To to take care of this bill, which they should have done in the first place. Insurance companies will call anything experimental. And so sometimes things are experimental, but but not everything's experimental. And so I really love that example because she had the courage to do it. Her back was against the wall. So she had to do it. But she came out on top. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge, huge encouragement
0: and a huge win. Yeah. Well, one of the things that stood out to me is that she said that she was informed, and and that is what you're doing yes. through your book. Uh, you even said yourself to be able to make these evidence-based arguments. Like that is what we need to do when it comes to making sure that we are being treated. Properly,
1: uh, yeah, and and You can't just be like, it's too big. I hate it. Don't <laughs> make it go away. Exactly. Like you have right. to have an informed argument. Uh, That's and- right.
2: What I like to show people, because again, how do you get people engaged in the topic of health insurance? Right. Or how do you get people motivated to get engaged and activated with looking at their medical bills? And the way I'm trying to do it quite crassly is to say you could save hundreds or even thousands of dollars if you engage with this, if you boost your financial literacy in this in this healthcare way, right? I mean, sometimes you think about the first time when you were a young person, maybe a teenager, and you got your first checking account and you got those first bank statements and you had to even balance a checkbook and you're like, how does this work anyway? I'm very confused by all of these numbers, <laughs> but you knew that you had to learn how to balance a checkbook and look at your bank statements or your credit card statements because if you didn't, you could lose hundreds or even thousands of dollars. Well, the numbers are even higher in the healthcare system. If we don't engage on this, we could lose hundreds or thousands of dollars per healthcare interaction. I think, again, people just don't realize how overpriced the healthcare system is and how unjustified the prices are and how they want you to stay in the dark so that they can can keep making you pay more. It's completely unfair. And it gets me fired up. So I'm sure you can tell that, um, that I, I don't like this. I do not like yeah. this at all, you know? And, and sometimes- it's, it's ruining people's lives.
1: It feels like there's a gun to our head, but you're teaching us the jujitsu to like uh, <laughs> to figure out how to like quickly like take that gun away and then knock it out of that uh, that aggressor's hands so that we are on a level playing field. Yep. And and there's just so many great tips in the book, and we got to talk about so much of it today on on the show. So yeah, Marshall, I, I love the book so much, and we will you know make sure that our audience checks it out. because <laughs> it really it's going to save them money in the long haul. Um, where can our audience find out more about the book? More about you and what you're up to. Well, so I already mentioned my website, marshallallen.com.
2: Another thing I really want to tell people about and encourage people to support, I have just launched a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo, and that's to create a series of health literacy videos that are based on the book. And so I take all these principles that are in the book. I know most people aren't going to read a book, you know, they're not going to take the time to get it and read it. But if you can get this content, it's like 15 short three to five minute videos. I'm raising money for the production of the videos, the animation and the graphics costs. And so people can go to Indiegogo and look up the Never Pay Pathway. That's what I'm calling it. Or you can look up my name Um, so you can support that and share that if you're interested. I'm trying to get the power of the crowd to help fund the production (laughs) costs. And then um, share victory stories with me. You know, that's another thing I'm so excited about. I'm seeing people achieve these um, individual wins and it's it's tremendously empowering. And I know and I know that your listeners know many people are not in a position where they can stand up for themselves. You know, maybe they're right. too sick. They're trying to fight um, their <laughs> their cancer or something. They're trying to care for loved ones. Maybe they're working a lot of jobs and they just don't have time. And so I think Not everybody's going to be able to do this, but those of us who can, like you're not just fighting for yourself, you know, you're going to have your own win, but you're also standing up for all those other people who can't stand up for themselves against a system that has just become entitled to take our money without any justification. And so I think when we rise up together and push back, we are going to have a tremendous amount of leverage to bring about change in our healthcare system. And
0: that's going to help us a lot in the long run. I love it. That's so good, Marshall. Uh, yeah, thank you for meeting us here at the intersection of money and healthcare. You were the right man to talk to about that, and uh, we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. It's a huge honor
1: for me. Keep it up, guys. All right, Matt. I got to say, that was a great conversation. Yeah. And Marshall <laughs> has been doing the hard work for a long time now to know. First, the problems that are in our healthcare Mm -hmm. system and then how we as individuals can fight back against it. Tons of great info in the book and then just a lot of great information in this conversation that I think can help our listeners actually fight back against unfair bills that they might receive from a hospital and then even just how to proactively shop around and get the lowest price on a procedure that you need. But yeah, what, what was your big takeaway from this combo?
0: Yeah, I mean, so one of the things he mentioned early on in the interview, he talked about direct primary care doctors. And so basically, these are essentially plans that you work out. And a lot of times, uh, individual doctors will have them. I mean, the way I understand it, it's a lot like a subscription service. Exactly. Like you, you pay month to month, you have direct access to this doctor, and you get everything you need to take them care of. (laughs) That's not something I have ever had. But as our family grows, uh, as we kind of continue to have different issues that we might want to have looked at, like I feel like I could see that becoming something that would make sense for us. He recommended it. It's not something we've talked a lot about on the show, uh, but we are seeing the rise in, in these relationships. And especially as more families and individuals move to these high deductible plans to take care of them if disaster or tragedy were to strike, right? Like if there's cancer or something like that, you're going to hit that deductible and you might end up paying, you know, five, seven, $8,000 out of pocket to hit that higher deductible. Uh, But when it comes to some of the kind of day to day doctor
1: stuff, uh, these direct primary care plans might be the path for folks to take. Yeah, for sure. We're going to see those continue to proliferate. And it kind of cuts out the middleman. Right now, it's just you and your doctor, as opposed to some insurance company standing in the middle. And you get kind of unfettered access to your doctor mm-hmm. under some of those plans. Yeah, I like They're how there's cool. a. it feels like there's more of a relationship. It feels
0: like more like an old school doctor set Exactly. Like, you know, where you might show up to your house with like a le- <laughs> leather satchel. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I think you might have to pay bonus, like you have to pay extra for right. that. If you
1: come on horseback, uh, <laughs> how much is that going to cost me? But little house in the prairie style, right. that, that's what I'm looking for. Can you provide that for me? Exactly, that would be nice. And then you just like, can we barter? I'll, get, I'll trade you three chickens <laughs> if you'll take a look at this rash. How about some steaks? Uh, Marshall would be down for that. <laughs> yes, but, uh, yeah. What about you, man? What was your big takeaway? I, man, I think ultimately my big takeaway was it takes tenacity. You have to arm yourself with the knowledge, and then you just have to kind of get that bulldog face and you kind of got to go about the process of attacking these healthcare bills. Yeah. If you take it lying down, you're going to pay high prices. Exactly. And if you fight back, you're going to see major price breaks. You're going to see some of these bills completely forgiven, but you have to be proactive and you have to be willing to fight. And, you know, that's in the title of the book, right? Fight yep. and win. And if you fight, you're going to win more often than not. Um, but you got to be willing to throw the first punch. <laughs> totally.
0: You got to have that right mindset. And that's also what's going to allow you to take the, the, the courageous steps to potentially sue them in small claims court, right? Yeah. It takes that entire shift in mindset. And I just appreciate the perspective that he was able to bring today during this interview. Man, let's shift gears and get to our beer. Today, you and I each enjoyed Fade Away, which is a red corn lager by Cruz Blanca.
1: Uh, What were your thoughts on this beer? So I'm digging this brewery. I like what they're putting out. This was um, like a traditional lager, but with a twist with the corn with the red corn in there. Yeah. So it has like it gave this, it a
0: lot of different flavors it really uh, did. from
1: a traditional lager, I think. It, I agree. It had like a lot more stuff happening. And I think the biggest thing, it had some a nice little like yeasty sort of funk going on yeah. to it, which that, I really appreciate. Almost like a saison. That's I wrote yeah. that in my notes. It almost t- t-
0: tasted like a like an Oktoberfest saison. It had some of these additional flavors that you wouldn't normally get out of a lager. Like it almost made it even taste like it was barrel aged or wood aged or something like that. But also with it it had this caramel and multi flavor profile going on. I really enjoyed it. Uh, this was another one that was donated to the show by Dennis, uh, as well as our friends up there
1: at Cruz Blanca. Definitely have enjoyed their beers there out of uh, Chicago. Yeah, most definitely. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. For folks who want the show notes, including uh, links to what Marshall's up to, including a link to his book, which we highly recommend. You can find those up on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right, man. So until next time, best friends out. Best
0: friends out.
2: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
1: Hey Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented.
2: Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members
0: are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download
1: the Zigazoo app today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal
0: business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva
0: presentations at canva.com, designed for work.